Welcome to Sales Paradise. Sales is more than a career, it is more than a job. It's like your first love. You go to bed at night and you just dream of being able to sell. If that's the way you are, and I know it is, this is for you. And you know, even if it's not, this is where we hang out here and on salesparadise.com. So on today's episode, we have Mark Bice. Mark came from the auto industry and he also has a podcast. He's a guest writer um, for a magazine. More importantly, he said there are no questions that are off the table. And so I had some questions based on some of my experiences with buying a car from a sales rep's perspective. So stay here. All right, welcome back. We have Marsh Bice here. Marsh, welcome to the show. Hey Chandler, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, man, it's great to have you on. I know we chatted a little bit um, earlier, but I'm really looking forward to getting into this. Uh, let me, me too, man. go ahead and start off. Um, you know, I ask a lot of people this because um, I think people get into sales for, you know, for different reasons at different times in their life. What got you into sales? Probably like most people, uh, Chandler, you stumble into the business, uh, especially from the car business, you know, uh, in the, being in the car business. So I'm 22 years um, uh, being at uh, at the uh, at the same dealership, man, I've ever worked at. Started in 1998. Was uh, was working at a casino here in town as a surveillance supervisor. I met the owner at the gym one day. Started working out with him. Started talking to him. Found out how lucrative the car business was. And Chandler, I was kind of at one of those points in my life where. Um, yeah, I was figuring out, I was like, man, I, I just didn't want to stay in the casino industry for the rest of my life. I didn't see, you know, there was only, there was limits to how high I could go, how much money I could make. And it just wasn't very appealing to me. So ended up um, quitting like hours before I was supposed to show up for work. And I burned oh, wow. the boat. On, yeah, I burned the boat on purpose, man. Because one thing that I, I realized that if, if, you, if you have an option in sales to get into sales and you always leave that back door open, the minute it gets tough, you're always going to run out that back door. And so I really put myself in a position where there was no back door. I had to make it work. I was a single parent raising a son at five years old. He was five, all commission, um, no guarantees, and I, I had to make it work. But because my back was against the wall, that's, I had to, I had to fight it out. I had to figure it out. And, well, so uh, how soon so, did you realize then that you had made a good decision? Um, like you mentioned, it's all commission. Was there any time that you thought, okay, man, I should have left that. Oh, no. that's great. There was never a decision. I, I, that's a great question. I, I was, I've, I've never regretted that making that decision because one thing about sales is it's it's never final it's always every day it's you you have grace man every day you have mercy every day you can start over if if chandler you're you're a year or two years or 10 years into this business if you want to start something new in this industry it happens right there instantly there's no protocol there's nothing i mean you can change anything about your career you can do it it happens on you it's all on your shoulders you have to live with the results but also you get to live with the great outcomes as well well then what do you think made the difference um you mentioned about it's like all on you um did you when you went into 
you know, the car sales um, business, did you have a good manager or did you um, do training yourself? Like what, what, what did that look like and what made you stand out? Um, yes, I had a, I came up in a time where, you know, you get cussed out when you're trying to work a deal. And so where the manager is cussing <laughs> you out, he's calling you all kind of different names but I come from a sports background, you know, I, I played collegiate ball. I was all American um, in, in college. And, you know, so I kind of had a little bit of that anyway, that edginess where I could take that, I could take that, that, that heat. And so it really translated well for me with my sports background that I could really just kind of, I didn't really internalize it so much and I would be able to recycle it and fuel it to push myself um, you know, even harder. So, but getting into the business, yeah, I was, I was given, you know, here's a binder, there's the cars, good luck. There was no formalized training. The internet was just born. I think it came out in 97. I started in 98. So there was none of that. It was really just based on whatever it is I wanted to have happen. And because I was a little bit fighting scared and I didn't, I had no, no other option except forward I, I i just became a sponge chandler and and knowing everything about this business because my thing was this it was going to be one of two things either i was going to own the building i was going to be the dealer or i was going to be so successful that i had a secretary work for me and just because i had so many customers so it was really important and still is chandler when people know that i'm in the car business number one they already have a negative stigma about it and so I want every customer to walk away from me saying, I wasn't expecting that. Like he talks different. He thinks different. He cares. He is just a whole different. Um, I, I leave you with a whole different image. So that way, even if you are shy and I used to tell customers, look, I'm not, I don't do callbacks. I'm not going to call you back. I, I was kind of arrogant about it, but I felt so compelled that when you shop, other salespeople against me, the level of service and, and my knowledge into, in, in, into what I did in my craft that you, you would come back and would have to buy from me. Well, did, did you focus on just the relationship part as being the number one where I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, well, if you played sports, were you well known in the town that you started in or I guess where you're at now or? No, I was, I was a nobody. I, I wasn't even from Lake Charles. I'm from North Louisiana. I came down here as an undersized lineman. I, so I've always been the underdog, even, even growing up, um, even growing up in, in my younger days. Like I was always the last guy to be picked on the team. I, you know, it was always, okay, we'll take vice. I was the, the last dude, you know, it was, it was between uh, uh, me and a girl playing football. They would choose the girl before they would choose me. You know, it was just, that's, that's how it was. So they I'm must have had some pretty strong girls there. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. So it was always, I always had that, that chip on my shoulder. So when I came down here and, and played college ball down South, um, I was undersized, man. I was small. Uh, and so I was always had to just kind of, kind of scrap. And so I've always had to prove myself. And so when I got into the car business, it was the same thing. I was, I was the only, you know, out of my family, I was the only one who didn't finish college. So I was really kind of the, the, um, I was the guy that wasn't the, the typical, like the rest of the family. Um, and so 
you know, I, I've always had to feel like my mindset is I, I, I got to show them. I got to, I got to play up. Well, yeah, it's, it, I think about um, even in basketball, like Michael Jordan, you know, not making um, the varsity team, you know, when he was, mm-hmm. I, I was in 10th grade or whatever. And obviously, um, you know, what a great player he became. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I think about, like you mentioned about, um, like kind of wanting to show them, you know, it's, um, I think uh, a lot of times people, whether they're the, like you mentioned, the last person picked on the team, or you mentioned about not finishing college, or like say, even just getting into the car business with a son, it's like you, you felt like, oh, there was some fire under you that maybe the typical person may not have had. You know, and even I'm thinking about too, like in car business or really any sales, like at the, the end of the day, I'm assuming that, um, and you can um, answer this, but like, did you have the mentality like, okay, the game isn't over yet. You know, it's, um, yeah. you're going to try to get that one more um, customer that you're going to talk to just in case or. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, there's just another opportunity Chandler and I, I have it somewhere in my office. The only time I, I ever made the front page of the paper, uh, you know, because I, I played offensive lineman. And so every Sunday I would go grab the paper to see if I made the action shot. You know, every <laughs> lineman wants to be in the action shot. Right. The only time, man, I ever made the, the front page of the paper was when we lost in the semifinals and I'm, my head is my hand. My head is buried in my hands. I'm crying on the bench, and in bold headlines, it says it's over. Oh man! And that's always been kind of my go-to thing, man. When I look at that, and so many times, you're right, dude. Where people read those headlines in their life, and that, that it's over, and that's what I love about sales is it's it's never ever over, man. Unless unless you say it is. Well, how did you balance? Um, I know that one of the things I've struggled with early in my career, or at least more with, especially having a family, was the benefit of sales that's never over. But that can also be a, a difficult thing to balance because there's always something else you can continue doing. It so it's, it's like compartmentalizing a little bit. You know, like let's say with your son, was that difficult? Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously still you're competitive. Is. Yeah. Yeah, still is, man. I mean, I don't think you ever, I don't think you, I don't think you ever overcome that, you know? And, and I, I think we go through seasons, Chandler, where there's some, there's some days, dude, we're just, we're redlined and it's all sales. And that is, seems to be the big priority, the big push. But then there's other times, man, where it redlines the other way, where it's all family. Um, and I, I, I like to I like to think I work in seasons. There are winter seasons. There are harvest seasons. There are there's there's the times where you're just planting seeds and nothing seems to be happening. Um, so I think you I think you have a little bit of of, of all of that. I, I don't I don't know that you really have balance. To be honest with you, I know a lot of people talk about balance and stuff like that. I, I don't know that that is in sales. I think having an awareness is your balance. Um, and realizing that sometimes you need to, you know, adjust the settings a little bit. Um, and I think one way that you actually do that is, is, is to, is to make sure that you have the right habits. That's one thing that I've learned. I don't know, dude, probably in the last three years or so, um, is probably five years is how to put in the right balances are, I'm sorry, the right habits in place uh, 
So that way, you know, kind of my mantra is from Gary Keller, uh, the one thing, the author of the one thing is um, win the day by noon. So if you win the day by noon, then no matter what the day may bring, because, you know, I come first and that's what I tell myself every single day. I come first. If I take care of me mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, then everybody else gets the best representation of me. That includes my children. That includes my spouse. That includes my customers and my coworkers. But you've got to put those things in place so that way, no matter what the situation brings, you're not overcorrecting one way or the other. I think so many times in sales, man, we actually, we tend to negate everything else. We negate our health. We negate, and then we show up to work, but we're really not working. And so we really take the time away from our, so we tell our family, hey, I got to work longer. The reason why you got to do that is because you weren't taking, you didn't have the right habits in place to do when you went to work, you weren't really working. You were sitting there doing nothing at all. But if you can put those, those procedures in place, then I think that actually kind of recalibrates everything else. What would be, I guess, like, let's say, um, I know that a lot of your, your thoughts and principles and everything are um, basically work with any, any type of industry or anything, but let's say sales in uh, the auto industry, what would be a, a sales reps, um, some of the habits that they could take to, which I love the, the thought of like um, Gary Keller, uh, win the day by noon, what would be some of the things that they could actually do uh, to accomplish that? Because obviously, um, well, let me say, maybe it's not obvious. Um, um, I would think as far as the people coming in, you can't have any control. But are there things that they can do to actually accomplish that? Yeah, I mean, and I think even more so with the way the market's going, you know, we have less uh, casual traffic and it's more purposeful traffic, uh, meaning that the leads that are coming in, whether by phone or by email or through social media, those are purposeful leads. It used to be, you know, it was the drive-by traffic when I got into the business and that's what it was. You, you captured the, the drive-by traffic and then word of mouth spread from there. They sent their friends and stuff like that. But, but if, if you leverage all of this now, you, you've got more, so you can be a lot more strategic and a lot more purposeful. So now from a personal standpoint for salespeople, you know, the number one thing, and, you know, it's so cliche to say, but, dude, wake up at a specific time. That's number one. So many times, man, guys are just rolling out of bed and just reacting to the rest of the day. But, you know, I, I've, I've had salespeople that, you know, when they, when they start changing things, the first thing I have them do is I have them change the mornings, and I'll have them send me the little strong arm emoji you don't have to say anything to me in the morning. Just let me know that you're up. Let me know you're rolling and sit down for, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes to, you know, to, to, to get your mind right, man. It's, it's reading, you know, some things that are purposeful to your field, but also things that are purposeful just to your overall life as well. So it's kind of setting the sail on that. It's really setting up your day, knowing what you have working, how many people you got to know your numbers too, dude. Like, where are you right now? Uh, so much of, of the, the mediocrity that we have in sales is because they have no idea what their numbers are. They don't know which direct, they don't know how close they are to their goal. They just, they show up with hope. 
And I say hope is not a strategy, but it is a key ingredient. You have to have hope is part of your cookie that you make. It's your cookie to sales. It's, it's the flour that you got in, in, in your mix there. But that's not the only thing, man. You need the eggs. You need the milk. You need the, you need the action, right? Same thing. So that's what you have to do is you, you, have to, you have to show up with that purposeful intention of this is how many customers I have to work with today. This is how many phone calls I have to make. This is how many of my old customers that I need to call and contact. We're always waiting for an event to happen, Chandler, in our business. We're waiting for something to happen, and then we react to it. That's our tradition in the business. And instead, the guys who are crushing it in this business are the guys who, who are very strategic and, and purposeful about what they do. Because if you're waiting on the sales game to tell you she's going to, she, she's going to wax the floor with you. She is going to eat you alive because she is going to make you feel like you're less than and that you've lost your touch and that you'll never get another customer again. So what are you doing to offset that? What are you doing to prop yourself up against that? If, 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 I mean, think about it. anybody in the sales industry, Chandler, we fail more. We are the only industry where you fail more than you succeed. You purposefully go to work to fail. But if you do that, then you'll succeed. You got to fail more than you succeed, but that's the only way that you succeed. So will you purposefully go for the no? Will you purposefully go out there and rack up the rejection? And if you do that, man, you're going to, you're, you're going to be just fine. It's so counterintuitive to people outside of our industry. Oh yeah. I used to joke about if it wasn't for sales, I never would have been able to get married. Um, <laughs> you're a great salesman. Obviously. I know. It's like I basically, you know, it's the, um, you know, the cold calling techniques, everything. <laughs> the, absolutely. <laughs> no, but, um, on the vision, man, where you see it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my, um, my wife would probably even agree with this, <laughs> but you know, yeah. but I was um, thinking too, you mentioned about even like um, the analogy of kind of, the ingredients and everything. I think a lot of people get into sales where they've got, they have one ingredient where maybe they really enjoy talking to people and they're good at conversation, but they, uh, they, they think that that's the only ingredient in being a good sales pro. Like, yes. But you mentioned, you know, just knowing your numbers and, um, and even just uh, having that determination to get up. And, um, but what, what are some of the, my experience is probably very similar to a lot of people's experience in sales um, or, or in buying a car and dealing with the sales people is that um, the either whether it's the experience or maybe it's just the, the, the point of view that they have is that the salesperson basically has the same technique of regardless of who they're dealing with. And it's very like cutthroat and, um, and I know that uh, I don't remember if it was while we've been talking and recording or what beforehand, but about the developing the relationship. Um, I bought quite a few cars um, and, and been to hundreds and hundreds of dealerships um, you know, in the last 30 years. And, and I've only been to two that I felt like, okay, these people kind of respect me um, and, and are also adjusting their way of selling to my way of buying. And um, matter of fact, one, one of the guys, one of the cars I have now, you know, he, he was someone that, uh, you know, he could tell that I was um, a cut to the chase type of person. I wasn't going to let him go back and talk to the manager, you know, all that kind of stuff and just keep going back and forth. And so he adjusted and, and it was something to where like if assuming that they have the car, you know, that I would want to buy, I would continue buying from him, even though I wasn't looking to develop a relationship with a dealership. Mm -hmm. 
that impressed me so much because I'm thinking, you know, in my industries that I've been in, we learned not only the products, but we also learned about, uh, you know, different customers' personalities and we would adjust, you know, to that. Um, I guess that's kind of the, the image that people have. Yeah. What's yeah. your take on it? Like, is that true? Or, and if it, if it is, what do the people listening that are in the auto industry do to counteract that? Well, it's, you know, so in our industry, it's the transaction first and the relationship second. And really the relationship is actually number uh, 755th. And there's nothing in between that either. It's, it's the one night stand, you know, it's, Hey, do you want to buy from me right now? What do I need to tell you? And let's, let's get on with it and have a nice life. Call me well, if that, you need another one. That's, well, why that's is the, that? That's the, is it because it's a numbers game pretty much like you have to sell so many cars or but why did it get to that, that point? I, I you know, I, I think, I think it's the culture of the business that's been there for a long time. And because Chandler, the, the transactions happen so much faster versus, you know, if you think about real estate, you know, and I don't know what the, the average cycle is. I don't know if it takes 30 days or 60 days to, to make that sale happen. But if you think about it, if the, if the gestation period is 30, 60, 90 days out, even, you know, for I'm sure with, with the health industry, it could be even longer than that. But so in order to develop that, because it's not going to happen right now, you have to develop the relationship. So it's relationship in order to get the transaction. In our business, because the decisions are made in an hour or two, it's the transaction first and the relationship second. And that's, that's the way it's been. It's not the way it should be, but that's the way it's been. So if you want an unfair advantage in this business is to maintain the relationship. It's, you know, so why did you feel respected by those two dealerships? They weren't trying too hard to develop a relationship. So it wasn't that they, I don't, at first I even wondered, was it just that it was a good match? But I think in general, I think it was more of, listening to me and then assessing like, like in the sales reps that I've trained, you know, we've always done all these different personality tests, not only for them, but also we would take some of our main um, customers and we would try to put them in certain personalities and say, how would we sell to them? And so I feel like these, both of these individuals at different dealerships, they just took a little bit of time to listen and kind of evaluate my style and adjusted to that. And they, so many other places, I felt like they were condescending in that they thought they could pull something over on me by mm-hmm. playing some sales game that, you know, that basically expired 20 years ago. Um, right. Well, what, what the difference was, they wanted you to adjust to their pace, right. where the other two dealerships actually adjusted to your pace. And so if you can, as a salesperson, it's not your job to get your customer in your shoes. It's your mission to get into their shoes and then gradually pull them over to and it, 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 where it's an equal vision for both parties. It's a win-win situation for both. But you're not going to get there, and especially you come from a sales background. So you're saying, look, I, I know where you're going with this. I ain't buying it. And so, you know, it's, it, it was, and, and that's where so many salespeople go wrong is they're trying to get all the customers to fit into that one shoe. 
right? And that's where you say, well, is it the, is it the cookie cutter for every single customer? No, it, it shouldn't be that way at all because all, buy, all, all buyers have different intentions. Their needs are different. Their, their baggage is different from the previous experiences. All, there's a myriad of different things. So can you take a few minutes to unpack some of those fears? figure out, you know, you know, what do you want? What do I have? And, and how can I address those needs? I'm not for everybody. I'm not going to sell everybody. And I'm okay with that. If, if, if it just doesn't work, but it won't be because I gave up on you. It won't be because the fact Chandler that I got all pissed off because you're not buying from me today. It's not about that. There's enough out there. That's that scarcity mentality, man. There's enough customers out there that I don't need this one customer to pay my mortgage. There's plenty. And, and there are plenty of customers. That's why I tell my salespeople all the time. Anything you want in life, your customers will help you buy. But it's not going to come from one customer. It's going to come from years and years of those customers and you doing what you say and taking care of those customers. You take care of them, they're going to take care of you in life. You working as long as you have at the same dealership. That's crazy. That's an indie industry yeah. that's unusual. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 22 years at the same place, and people are like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Yeah, I started out as a sales." But you know, when I'm telling my story, I tell people that, and dude, you talk about people that are like locked up. You know, I hate your industry. I hate you. Blah blah. blah. And then when you tell somebody that, and they're like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "Yeah," and I wouldn't be here if I wasn't taking care of my customers. Uh, you know, that, that's the end. Of it. I tell people all the time, though. Look. I'm $50,000. I throw in the vehicle for free because you're buying me, <laughs> you know, and that, that's really what it is, man. And it's it, that they can buy anywhere they want to from anywhere, anybody they want to. So it's a privilege that they sit down and allow me to be a part of their life. And we can never lose sight of that. Well, I would think after this many years that you're a lot of people's car guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can't go anywhere and people, you know, like, they're like, oh, my God, you know, my daughter's all the time, like, who don't you know? It's like, but it's just, but when you've been doing this and you take care of your customers, then, then yeah, it's, it's, it's great. But that way, if they ever need something or they have questions or anything like that, at least I can be that person that can help shed some light and give them some guidance on that. Even if Have you ever sold to mul- like, um, like someone's kids? Like maybe you sold the parents yeah. and then they later had kids that end up getting their license. And Dude, that's when you know you've been in this industry <laughs> too long is when the people that, you know, that you, you remember when they were just in a car seat and now they're sitting there signing up on their cars like, oh my God, like you really feel aged but yeah I mean, i've had people that yeah they were in car seats when their parents first started coming and now now they come too man did, did you know, yeah, that dude that's that's the best feeling in the world that they and and you know what chandler they 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 rarely even question you they don't have to because i'm never going to take that relationship for granted i'm going to give them the best value uh, the best service, best everything, man, and make sure they walk away feeling good about every the whole the whole experience all the way across the board. Well, hey, man, let's um, let's uh, move to the next. Um, I guess the the next last se- section where basically I just ask some quick questions. You're a fit guy, I imagine you you don't just roll out of bed and um, stumble into work. Anything no, that you do? No. 
Yeah, I'm I'm up at four thirty every morning. I have because I do uh, I do a podcast every single uh, five days a week, um, and so and and that's not my main gig. So I have to. I had so my morning ritual is four thirty in the morning. Uh, I get up, make coffee, uh, I jump rope for twelve minutes. Um, that wise twelve minutes. I don't know. I just made made up a so. But that's a lot. That's. People don't, that don't jump rope, 12 minutes is a long time jumping rope. <laughs> uh, so, but that gets my juices flowing, right? And so then I come back in because um, I do it in the garage. I meditate for eight minutes. And when I say meditation, Chandler, I mean just being quiet, being still, um, being thankful. Um, so no social media, no, I don't, I don't do anything. I don't do any social media until I get these things out of the way. So then it's the meditation. As soon as I'm done with that, then I, uh, I create the podcast in my podcast. I try to do it. I try to make them 10 to 15 minutes long. That way on a normal small town commute, you can listen to it in one drive versus, you know, something like Tim Ferriss, where it may take you two or three days to get through because they're an hour. That's why I don't listen to Joe <laughs> Rogan. I love Joe Rogan, but I don't have three hours to spend with Joe Rogan because I have 20 other podcasts I want to listen to also. Um, so, so then I do the podcast, then I market the podcast, I get the podcast out, then I go to work. But before nine o'clock, from 4.30 to, you know, to 8, 8.30, just depending on what time I got to be in, um, that's my, that's, that's my power hours right there that I get, I get those things done. And then if it's my late day that I don't have to go in until later on, then I may, I may go out there and hit, you know, four or five mile run, uh, before I go into work. But I, I think what's important is, is that depending on, because my business is so, uh, I don't get off at the same time. You have to, you have to set up your days, your rituals to something that, is something that you can hit consistently. And for me, that's that 4.30 to eight o'clock slot. So all that, it's, it's uninterrupted by anybody else. And that way I can get everything I need to done. Well, that's uh, actually, what's funny is um, it may not end up being your, your favorite quote, but that kind of fits within your, um, the Gary Keller. Um, win the day by noon. Yeah, win the day by noon as far as, yeah. it seems like that's it's almost like your mantra, whether so is is there another is that the the quote like one of your favorite quotes or i i think if i yeah that that's probably my that's my easiest way when people ask me what my what my habits and rituals are when the day by noon because no matter you never know what the rest of the day is going to be but if you can take care of four or five i call them beats so you know like the beat of a drum if you can hit four or five of those beats that you can hit those things consistently no matter what happens at least you take care of those things spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. You take care of those things right off the bat. Everything else take care of itself. Do you have um, just a book that you'd like to recommend to the audience? Oh, man. Uh, I tell you the one I – David Goggins is my number one. Where is David? I can't find it. But David Goggins um, is my number one book that I have. That would be number one. Now, I'll tell you one that I just read uh, by Mark Hunter. Uh, a mind for sales, dude. I read this oh, yeah. one in two days. Uh, you know, and I've, I've I've seen Mark on LinkedIn, and you know he's good friends with Mike Weinberg and uh, Anthony Anarano. So they all kind of the 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 amigos to one another. But dude, I got this book. Patrick Tenney on LinkedIn recommended the book. I just saw it on my feed, and I ordered it, and absolutely 
wonderful book, man. So if I were, that's the fresh, the, the, my, my go-to book when I'm just down and out or feeling whatever is that David Goggins um, book. And then like this one, I just finished a mind for sales is, is, uh, is really good. What about any charities? Um, do you have any charities that you'd like to highlight for the audience? No, I, the only thing that I, I've got a buddy of mine who's in the, in the car business too. He's uh, up there in, uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, Kenny Landrum. Um, and Kenny has a 30 for 30 uh, movement. Uh, Kenny was severely obese, man. And he, he set out to change his life by walking 30 walks in 30 days. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And dude, he is like on day number, I don't know what day it is today. He's like on day number, I don't know, 290. Like he's never missed a workout in 290 days. So, um, does he have a so, website or anything or, um, no, but I tell you what he's on Facebook, but I tell you what he's doing now. He, what he's done is he's leveraged the 30 for 30 charity. And so now our 30 for 30 walks, and now what he's doing is he's stacking it for charity. So not only does he show up and so he's taking uh, like last month he did wounded, wounded warriors. So he sponsored them and raised money for wounded warriors by doing 30 walks for 30 days and getting other people to join in the movement where they're getting their health back and supporting a cause all at the same time. And so this month he's doing, he's doing a charity every single month, a different one. So the other one, the one he's doing now is for his local community. Megan's mobile grocery, which helps those, um, those communities that they don't have access to, they don't have the vehicles, um, to be able to get to the store and they have to pay triple the price at a convenience store. So this Megan's mobile grocery comes by in a converted bus. That's a little mobile grocery store, but reduced costs for healthy items. And so he's, he's raising uh, funds for that small business. And so he's, he's doing great in that. So wow. I, I, lo I love the energy that he brings to it, man. So not only is he getting his health right, but he's also raising an awareness and he's giving back to the community in that also. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Well, man, it's really cool to be able to talk to you and um, awesome, you too. And you know, just about not only just sales in general, but no, so how does everyone get in touch with you? And then tell me the name of your podcast again. Yeah, it's a daily episode. Uh, the Sales Life um, is the name of it. It's not just for those in the sales profession. It's for those who are also building the life skills of selling because we're all selling our way through life. And so, Excellent. you know, there may be some people, Chandler, who hear the sales life and you're in sales and it's going to carry a different weight uh, than those who are not in sales. But it's still applicable because you can take some of the things, even though I may make the parable of sales, you'll be able to take it and use it into your own life. So uh, it's the sales life. Um, and you can email me the sales life one, the number one at gmail.com the sales life, the number one at gmail.com. Um, or you can, uh, yeah, I'm on all the socials too with a uh, first and last name. Excellent. All right. Well, great to talk to you and um, have a great day. And thanks again. You too, man. Appreciate you.